Blog Talk Radio. The following is a Post Time with Mike and Mike production. Coming up third, Liz Bird up the inside. Rock Diamonds, wow! Four of them. Here is Rock Diamonds and Mitchell Cushing. They win the gold cup in soccer. It's American history trying to dig in on the outside endeavor. Tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike, with your hosts Mike Carter, number one thousand for the third time, Aaron Merriman wins, and Mike Bozich. Down to the finish, turn in a game winning the Betsy Ross over Caviar Alley at Apple Bottom Jeans one forty nine and two unbelievable. calls come from Hamiltonian Day 2019 as we gear up and get ready for the 2020 Hamiltonian. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich and Mike, a big weekend of racing coming up at Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment. Yeah, no question about it, Mike. And I'll tell you what, a lot has happened to the sport of harness racing since we last spoke. And we're going to touch uh, upon a lot of that on this program. So excited for this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Toronto Association, Mike Carter. Since we last spoke, how about our man, Mike Wilder, winning the 2020 Adios with Catch the Fire? What a great story. And as a matter of fact, Mike, and I didn't have a chance to do it, but we had Mike Wilder on this program probably about seven or eight months ago. And I think one of the questions we asked him if my memory serves me correctly, is what is the race that you want to win the most? And I'm pretty sure his answer was the <laughs> Adios. Yeah, it was a big, big mile there by Catch the Fire, who almost got gunned down by Chief Mate. Uh, we all remember Chief Mate, uh, the story about Chief Mate in the Meadowlands Pace, opting mm-hmm. to go to the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes in preparation for the Adios. 
I think there were some question marks around that, Mike, but boy, did Chief Mate really show up and almost gunned down Catch the Fire, but Mike Wilder was super happy to win the race, and we'll be talking to him here momentarily as well. We'll also be talking to Dave Little. Mike, Dave is one of the TV handicappers. He also writes all of their stories at Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as we gear up for this weekend's Hamiltonian. Well, I'll tell you what, what a great, great card. I just I was just looking at it uh, a few minutes ago before we got on this program. What a, a star-studded uh, program that they have carded coming up on Saturday. I can't wait to be there. Uh, thanks for Jason Settlemore and uh, Dave Brown and the gang for giving me an opportunity to work Hamiltonian Day. And, and I'm going to tell you what, Mike, uh, Ramona Hill, what kind of effort did she put forth in one of two Hamiltonian eliminations on Saturday. I mean, she came roaring off of stalling cover and Mike just steamrolled in the stretch. I mean, she just flat out got it done in the stretch to get up in time to win. And uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, just, she's one of two fillies in the race, of course, Sister Sledge the other. And boy, how could we get off the Sister Sledge bandwagon out of all, out of all she's accomplished? Uh, in uh, 2019 and, and so far here in 2020. So I'll tell you what, there's a pretty darn good chance, uh, Mike, that we could see a, a, a one-two Philly uh, exactly here. I'm not so sure about that. I think uh, we might get some bombs underneath. Uh, I think Ramona Hill is going to be over bet. Uh, you'll see me say mm-hmm. that in our preview, the Hamiltonian preview with the United States Trotting Association coming up. On Friday, and Mike, we're going to have Andrew McCarthy on the program, but I actually got a chance to sit down with Andrew yesterday, and that interview is just posted on the Harness Racing Fan Zone. So, you know, it'll be interesting to uh, talk with him again and, you know, kind of see pick his brain a day later and see what, uh, what he has to say about his champion, Philly. Well, I'll tell you what, she gets post five. That's a very, very good post. Uh, the other Philly sister sledge draws the outside, but I'll tell you what, there are some impressive-looking horses in this particular race. I mean, ready for money and the uh, back of the neck. Now, how can we get off the back of the neck bandwagon after what he's accomplished? I mean, he's shown that he can race on the pace. He, he's shown he can come from last to first with less than a quarter of a mile to do it. Yep. And uh, so, I mean, you know, he's a horse that I think we have to consider. You know, Rome pays off, 352. I mean, there is Amigo Volo does draw post 10. But, I mean, still, there are some really nice horses, Mike, in this particular race. And it's a Hamiltonian I am certainly looking forward to. And, of course, you've got the Marcus Melander charges, too, uh, besides Rome pays off. You've got Hollywood Story and Capricorn. And said, you know, they're able uh, and capable of uh, firing their best shot. And if they fire their best shot, they could be close to the winner's circle. Yeah, for sure. There is a ton, a ton of ability in this year's Hamiltonian. Like you said, Mike, a lot has changed, a lot of great things coming up. Uh, you know, it, it's just amazing to see what, uh, what's been done over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, no question about it. We've seen a lot of talent on the racetrack. And how about, I'll tell you, another horse, uh, that I had a chance to see in Pennsylvania Cyrus thinks yesterday. How about Captain Corey? I mean, you talk, and I was talking to Jerry Connors about this yesterday, called me right after the race. And there aren't very many horses, Mike, and you've seen a lot of races uh, all up and down the, the spectrum, whether it's, you know, four claimers, whether it's, uh, you know, conditioned trotters, whether it's conditioned pacers, whether it's stakes competition, what have you. 
How many horses can you remember out of all the races that you've watched, horses that just pop out at you and just look visibly impressive? Captain Corey is one of those horses. Uh, just an un- He's one of those horses, Mike. He doesn't look like he's going fast at all, but he really is. Just effortless <laughs> speed. And uh, I'll tell you what, this guy, the Goo Goo Gaga bred, of course, out of the uh, pacing uh, stallion Cam's Rocket, who just recently passed away, um, looks extremely sharp on the racetrack. And I'm going to tell you what, if Captain Corey stays healthy, he's going to be something very, very special. Yeah, I'm anxious to see. I know you texted us yesterday and let us know about that horse. I'm anxious to see what uh, what kind of uh, season he could put together. There was a lot of heads turned yesterday when Captain Corey uh, scored the victory. So I'm anxious to see what uh, his future holds for him. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, so just, uh, yeah, a lot of talent on the racetrack. It's a lot, a lot of fun uh, this time of year, Mike, to be a harness racing fan. And if you just look up and down that race card on Saturday, at the Meadowlands, I mean, just some great, great horses. Of course, the Hamiltonian Oaks, uh, there's another fantastic card. Uh, And a horse that I am very familiar with that I've seen just rip off win after win at Harris, Philadelphia, is uh, a horse by the name of Next Level Stuff. Jim Campbell trains and Tim Teacher drives, gets the two-hole. Obviously, this is going to be a a pretty tough field that she's going to have to deal with, certainly the toughest that she's ever seen. But uh, she's done no wrong. Uh, you know, she's going to have to face the likes of Sorella, the likes of Hypnotic AM, who just looked unbelievably sharp last time. Uh, Panem, uh, the Nancy Tactor trainee, she has been very, very good as well. So uh, I'll tell you what, just uh, up and down the card, Mike. I mean, you got the Cash Memorial, Memorial the very next race, uh, the Peter Halt Memorial. How about the Sam McKee Memorial, Mike? That is always a fun race uh, to watch. Uh, you've got a field of 11 in there. Um, one of the horses that I've been keeping an eye on, Century Pharaoh, draws outside. But, uh, Mike, what's going on with Better's Wish? He has not been sharp <laughs> the last couple of starts, and, and that has certainly been a head-scratcher. But you know what's his best. If he fires his best shot, uh, you know, you're liable to get some value on him uh, considering the last couple of efforts if he can get back to his old self. You know what? He will be second-time Lasix, which is a huge betting angle come Saturday, and I will for sure bet him. He uh, – I, I think he improved and rebounded off a tough effort to start before where he bled. Um, second time Lasix for better's wish. I really think that this is where he steps up. At, who knows? Maybe you'll get uh, two or three to one on him. That'd be nice. Yeah, no question about Or maybe even a little more because, you know, Danson Lou's been sharp too. Uh, and, you know, look at he He's uh, going to be starting from the inside post. And uh, you've got all, I mean, American history, you know, he just pulled off a big upset. Uh, for a driver, Joe Bongiorno, who, boy, has he been driving well as of late. So just a, a great, great card all up and down. I can't wait to be there uh, come uh, Saturday at the Meadowlands. We're going to talk to Dave a little about that, of course. As Mike mentioned, Andy McCarthy will be joining the program uh, as well. And, uh, of course, we've got uh, Mike Wilder. He's going to be t- – I can't wait to hear uh, – I've already kind of seen it with the post-race interviews and that, but – uh, it's had a, a couple of uh, days to sink in now, and can't wait to talk to Mike Wilder because you know the emotions had to be running high when he was able to win uh, the Adios this past Saturday. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Andy McCarthy is going to be joining us. So much more on this big edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. You're not going to want to miss it. Back in just a moment. Hey, racing fans. 
we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post-time. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard at the 6-1. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. This edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, Andrew McCarthy, is in the on-deck circle. And, uh, Mike, uh, obviously, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, change, and I will be taking uh, <laughs> a little bit of a change myself. Uh, for those who are unaware, I am headed out uh, the door of the United States Trotting Association tomorrow. And uh, we'll kick things off with a new endeavor come Monday. That's right. Uh, you're going to be uh, moving your tack back to Northfield Park. Whoa, well, hold on. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, not, that's not public knowledge yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about that yet. But, uh, no, we're take going two, back north to two. Akron uh let, let people assume what they what they wish. Um, but the wife and I bought a house in beautiful Akron, Ohio. Um, she uh, she is moving her tack up back up to her old job, and uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a nice uh, refresher, so to speak, Mike. And 
obviously with that um things are going to change as far as the uh as far as the show is concerned um because I'll be doing more work on Thursday afternoon so uh a little bit of a hiatus uh so to speak coming for me yeah, yeah, but uh, nonetheless, uh, and, and you know, and it's funny because uh, we've talked at length about the uh, house buying experience and how much of a joy that could be uh, for anybody out there that's interested in uh, maybe buying a house. But uh, nonetheless, uh, yeah, Mike, I'll tell you what, you've done some great work for the United States Toronto Association. It is, you know, and as as your broadcast partner and as your friend, Mike, it's been very interesting to see how you've grown. Uh, in the industry, and uh, I'll tell you, you've done uh, a lot of different things, and, you know, and, and that's, you know, when we talk to young people, and a lot of young people ask, well, how do I get involved in announcing? How do I get involved in this, and how do I get involved in that? Well, you know, Mike, the first couple of years that you're involved in this industry, Mike, you really have to kind of take anything that's thrown your way. I mean, whether we had, and how many fairs have you driven to, Mike, to call races? How many hours <laughs> on the road have have we both put in to basically get experience but and that's the key you know uh, I, I get a ton of people asking me and I know you get a ton of people asking you you know how do you get involved how do you get started how do you do this how do you do that Mike you have to pay your dues yeah you do and it's uh you know it's one of those things that you just got to know to do more than one thing um doing less than that is just not uh is just not plausible and so uh you know it's uh uh, you know this business is tough to get into, but I'll tell you what I'm thankful for everything that uh, or every chance and opportunity I've gotten at the United States Trotting Association. Um, I'm thankful for the friends that I've made there, and uh, you know, looking forward to uh, looking forward to uh, what's to come. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. So I just I'm proud of you, man. Proud of my my broadcast partner, and we've been up and down the road together. And uh, hey, listen, we're going to continue to go up and down the road together. And uh, it's just it's really been a pleasure watching you, uh, you really really grow up in this business and and take the bull by the horns and do what you've done uh, for the sport of harness racing. All right, it's time to get down to business. Andy McCarthy joining us on the program now. And uh, Andy, I'll tell you what. How good was Ramona Hill last week? Good grief! Oh yes, Mike. Good. Uh, yeah. Good morning. Um, yeah, she was terrific. You know, uh, her last two starts have been outstanding. Really, you know, uh, different kind of races, but um, you know, I, I couldn't be happier with her going into Saturday. Andy, obviously, uh, there had to be a little bit of a concern uh, turning for home uh, last Saturday. Uh, you were getting backed up. Uh, you were last, probably about. The chart says six and a quarter, but you looked about 10 or 12 lengths off the lead, and you flipped off cover three wide, and she just took off. What were you thinking around that last turn? Uh, you know, I I was in a bad spot, but I uh, I, I knew that she'd definitely um, drop by enough of them to make the final. You know, I just wanted to be a little careful and give her, give her a bit of time and a little bit of room there in the last turn to make sure there was... Uh, no mistakes, you know, and, um, and then I just figured at the head of the stretch we'll just uh, kick her into gear and, um, you know, at that stage of the race I was just uh, kind of thinking, well, I'll just make sure I uh, make it, you know, and then uh, the way she responded at the head of the stretch, I went, oh, hang on a second, she's like really kicking into gear here, so I, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 it, it wasn't too much longer after the head of the stretch, I, I thought I had a pretty good chance to win it, yeah. Visiting with driver Andy McCarthy. Andy, did you expect the turn of foot 
And that lasted eighth of a mile that, that you got from her? I'm not going to say I didn't expect it. I have, a, I have a very high opinion of her, and I know how far she is. You know, I know she's got a good 26 kicker there whenever I ask it. But, like, 25 and 4, I don't think you can ever really expect something like that from a trotter. Um, but, yeah, she's a, she's an amazing animal, and um, she knows she knows what a job is. You know, it's, uh, it's like she's done it before. She knows where the wire is. She knows what she's supposed to do. Um, she just wants to win races. Andy, let's talk about the final. You draw post number five. Obviously, things have changed a little bit without having to go two heats this year. Um, you know, she's a very versatile filly. Uh, we had a chance to catch up yesterday for a little bit. and We talked about this. Um, you, you've got to be happy with the post draw, and uh, you've got to have a lot of confidence heading into Saturday. Yeah, I'm very happy with the draw. Um, you know, it gives me options. Um, you know, I... I gives me a good chance to see what everybody else is kind of thinking, you know, and uh, feel it out heading into that first eight, and then after that I can um, try and set set it up to where I want to be, you know. Um, you know, I think everybody will be pushing off, including me, and, um, and then we can uh, weigh up our op- options after that first eight, you know. Visiting with driver Andy McCarthy. Andy, we're going to talk about some of the other horses that uh, you're familiar with on the program. But first, just have to ask you, buddy, what would it mean to you to win a Hamiltonian? Uh, it would mean the world. It's uh, obviously, uh, you know, a very, very iconic race. And, um, you know, even, uh, even though I'm from Australia, it's just a race that I've been watching and uh feel like I've been a part of for a long time you know I worked for Noel Daly for years and uh, was fortunate to be there when uh, he won it with Broadbarn and just such a uh, yeah I guess you could say it's uh, you know there's a few races in the world as you got the Hambo the Elite Lop and uh, like the pre Marique that are like the the you know the definitely the gold star of uh, the races you want to win Andy, let's uh, ask you about a couple of other horses uh, on the card. We're going to start at race number three, the Dr. John Steele Memorial. And you almost pulled off quite an upset with a horse who hasn't really been formful as of late. Her name is Princess Dano, and she went uh, a long way first over last time and just got nipped at the wire. I mean, in an exciting three-horse finish, I kind of thought you wanted it. It was a long photo. You end up finishing third in that particular race. Talk to us a little bit about her and where she is right now in her uh, in her form cycle. I was extremely happy with her uh, post-parading the other night. Uh, she uh, she felt back to her old self. She, um, you know, she finished the year off last year very good, and then just hasn't quite been a self all year, you know. I've just been having a little trouble with a gate, and um, you know, a few races there, her manners weren't quite where they should be. So I, uh, you know, just uh, I went out post braided the other night. And she just seemed very sound and relaxed, and uh, it kind of felt like the old princess there to me. So, you know, I think we've got a good spot there. I can push off a little bit from the rail and. Uh, see what happens really like uh but hopefully she's as good as what she was there last saturday and um i think she's got a shot she uh she's a very good mare this mare just haven't really seen the best of her yet andy i gotta tell you you made me a, a good amount of money two weeks ago not only with ramona hill but reflect with me and reflect with me draws into the shady daisy obviously a 
field of five for three-year-old Philly Pacers. But Reflect With Me uh, was sort of dismissed uh, a little bit by the betters uh, two weeks ago. Uh, she enters three for three this season with a mark of 48-2. and two. Uh, She should definitely uh, bounce off of that, and uh, she looks razor sharp heading into the Shady Daisy. Yeah, she's been terrific coming back this year. You know, she has a scary turn of foot. She's um, she's as fast as any filly in the country, I'm sure of it. You know, uh, her win out there at Hoosier, that was some kind of back half that we... Uh, had to come there, and um, you know she's not a big filly, but she uh, she can pace as fast as any of them. Well, yeah, I think that's a pretty good spot for her there on Saturday. Um, you know, with only five in there, I shouldn't be too far away. And you know, I uh, I've had a lot of fun with this filly. You know, obviously winning the Breeders' Crown. I think she won the Breeders' Crown from the eight hole last year as well. So you know, it's, the post positions don't really hurt it too much as long as. Uh, find the right helmet to follow and uh, and kick her into gear when it's time. Andy, let's skip uh, all the way up to race nine. We're a little bit short on time. The Hamiltonian Oaks. You've got a horse by the name of Fortune Star that you're going to be driving for, trainer George Ducharme. What can you tell us about uh, her? Uh, I actually haven't driven Fortune Star before. I um, George texted me the other day about driving her and uh, said I'd love to. Um, you know, it, lo- it looks in there like we're going to have to try and find a little bit of luck and hopefully pick up some pieces or, uh, you know, it'd be great to get very lucky, but, uh, you know, it's it's obviously a tough group there with the 12-horse field. All right, and in the Vincennes, Andy, you drive a horse by the name of Vancar R.P. No. He's one for one in the U.S. for trainer Nancy Tactor. Uh, this is a uh, this is a horse that uh, is coming from overseas. Uh, what do you make of? Uh, I'm not too sure yet. I uh, you know I spoke with Nancy the other day and she says that she thinks the horse is going to, going to race really good on Saturday. You know, uh, he looks like a, a strong, exciting kind of horse. Um, you know, his his first race there uh, qualifier looks really really good. So. Um, you know, I uh, I think he he looks like he's in a pretty good spot. You know, I'll, I'll race him accordingly. I, I think he uh, he needs to, he needs to be in play, and we'll see what happens. Andy, one more to ask you about the Cane Pace a horse you're definitely familiar with, Captain Midnight. Uh, draws post position number seven in that particular race against uh, a lot of the uh, horses that he's been facing. Roll with Jr. and Captain Kirk, of course. A tall, dark stranger who failed to hit the board last week at the Meadowlands. Give us your thought on Captain Midnight. You know, Captain Midnight's been good. He's uh, he's kind of just had an unlucky start to the year. You know, I uh, he, he was really good his first start. He kicked home twenty-five and four and one, and then you know he kind of got a bad post in the in the pace and didn't have a very good trip. And the week before, I got parked pretty much the mile, and then uh, went to the Meadows, and it just wasn't a good race for him. It was a very start-stop race, and I had to check him in the last turn. But, no, I'm expecting him to race really good. I think he's a, he's a top colt, and uh, just need, uh, need to get him on the, on the, right, on the right foot and uh, have a little bit of racing luck. All right, Andy, what's a big card coming up Saturday after the Meadowlands, of course, uh, in the big dance, the Hamiltonian. You'll be driving the filly, Ramona Hill, and if she's anything like she was last week, I think uh, the other uh, filly and the rest of the boys in there better look out. Andy, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. Best of luck come Saturday, my friend. 
All right. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it. All right. That was uh, Andy McCarthy. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's still that plays back in my mind, an impressive effort uh, from Ramona Hill in the eliminations coming up to the final on Saturday. But once again, Mike, as a handicapper and somebody that seeks out value, we're not the only two people on the face of the earth, Mike, that saw that effort. Everybody else did too. So it's definitely going to hurt her value. Yeah, she's going to be overbet. Um, and we'll talk with Dave Little about that here in just a uh, couple of minutes. But, you know, I, I think she's going to be overbet. And I, I like her chances in the Hamiltonian. I think she's got a shot to win. But the question is, will you take 2-5 to five or 3-5 to five on the Philly against the boys? I don't know. It's tough to say. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's uh, the million-dollar question. Like we said, the other Philly in that race, even though she draws poorly, Sister Sledge is no slouch in her own right, and neither are the other eight combatants in that particular race. So I think it's got the ability to really, really be a very entertaining event. The whole card does, and we're going to break it down from a handicapping point of view with our guy from the Meadowlands part of the broadcast crew, Dave Little, and he is in the on-deck circle. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association. Back in a moment. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. From the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by the United States Trotting Association, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. We're joined now by Dave Little from Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment. And Dave, let's just let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Ramona Hill, everybody saw the effort from a week ago. She's going to be a short price. Do you peg her at two to five or three to five, or do you try to beat her? Well, first and foremost, uh, great to be with you, fellas. And uh, second of all, you know, Ramona Hill, that was, uh, you know, a, a, a close for the ages. For this filly to come home in 25-4 and four with after beads backed up in her face on the turn, and then you figure, well, okay, Ramona Hill is going to be driven in a way by Andy to just get a spot in the final. And lo and behold, this horse has hit an absolute other gear uh, outside the eighth pole and just kept on closing. So, you know, will Ramona Hill be bet down to two to five or three to five in the Hamiltonian, you know, with a big pool anticipated? I think the answer is no, because there's certainly going to be plenty of backers out there for Nancy Thatcher's ready for money, who is off a pretty impressive score as well. The only difference is 
ready for money, came home in 27 and four. Ramona Hill came home in 25 and four. And people love to look at those, uh, you know, fast final quarters. Yannick Jengra is going to be able to have a positioning edge on Ramona Hill and uh, Andy McCarthy uh, throughout the mile. But will it matter if Ramona Hill kicks home that fast? That said, would I take Ramona Hill at four to five or even money? I think in this spot, based on what we saw last week, based on the fact that Andy has drawn the best post on top of everything else, I think the answer is probably yes. Listening with Dave Little uh, from the Meadowlands. Dave, uh, this is pretty much an off week for you. You really didn't have too much to do this week, right? Uh, no, no, yeah. It's just, just, it, it just a, a couple of things here and there. So when I got your phone right. last night, I was like, oh, I'm so happy to. No, no. No, it's always great to be with you guys, but sure. It's an extremely busy week, just like Meadowlands Pace Week. But, uh, you know, when, when you get there on Saturday and that, that adrenaline starts to flow uh, after you've slept mm. only three or four hours the night before, it, it truly, it's, uh, it, it really does, uh, it creates an awful lot of excitement uh, for the fans and for yours truly, no question. Yeah, certainly no question about it. Dave, let's uh, let's go through the card a little bit, and let's start in the Shady Daisy with a field of five, and there's no question about it. Reflect with me is certainly going to be the one to beat here, and she's undefeated here in 2020, and she's been uh, really performing well for the Alani Armada. Yeah, and here's a horse who loves to do uh, her best work from just go up the pace, and, uh, you know, she closed in 25 and two-fifths seconds on July the 18th, and winning the Mistletoe Shaylee at the upset price of 9-1. to one. Then she went to, out to Indiana, and Andy McCarthy traveled with her, and they went out there 26-1 final quarter, 148-2. Yeah, she looks pretty tough to beat in this spot, but does she do her best work from off the pace? If that's the case in a five-horse field, can a horse like Peaky Sneaky, who does good work on the front end, steal away and possibly pull off an upset? I think that's possible in the Shady Daisy. Dave Manchego tries to go two for two uh, in the John Dr. John R. Steele Memorial uh, TDG free-for-all in race number three. And I know there was a lot of question about why Manchego and Nancy Tector chose this spot like, instead of going against Jim Pansy and the boys. And Jess Scott actually made a really good comment. Uh, she was only staked to the John Steele Memorial. So, uh, you know, interesting uh, spot for Manchego here. Uh, she's facing the likes of Wendell's Cry and Plunge Blue Chip. But she's already got a mark of 149-3. She's going to be razor sharp in this race. Yeah, you know, I was updating uh, something that I call uh, Big M Quick Hits. And what it is is it's kind of a, a, a quick uh, fact book about what's going on at the current meeting. And Manchego had gone the fastest mile of the year nationally at the Meadowlands of 150 flat, and that occurred on June the 19th. Then she eclipsed her own mark, national season's mark, uh, in the spirit of uh, Massachusetts uh, at Plain Ridge going 149-3. and three. So obviously Manchego is absolutely at the top of her game right now. Now, she's going to go up against the likes of Plunge Blue Chip, who uh, uh, scored uh, closing on the far outside the Miss Versatility when there was no Manchego or Atlanta around, and when Doves Cry, who uh, raced pretty well, getting defeated by J.L. Cruz in a non-winners of 20 last week. And also, Kenzie Sky Hanover's, uh, you know, uh, afforded herself pretty well in recent starts in the Miss Versatility. But Manchego, you know, this is the winning spot for her, and sometimes, you know, when, when uh, you know, connections... They look at a spot, they see this spot, they saw the steel as the way to go for Manchego. How can you dispute that for $166,550, especially the way it panned out? It's a field of six. 
Manchego's probably going to be one to five, and you'd like to own the horse if you were in the if you had that circumstance as well. Visiting with Dave Little, part of the broadcast team from the uh, Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment. Dave, let's fast forward to the Jim Doherty. And, you know, when you think about good trotting trainers, of course you think about Marcus Melander and Oka Swanstad and, uh, you know, the taxes and so forth. But trainer Lucas Wallen, and we've all kind of been waiting for him to emerge, especially as a trotting trainer. Well, he's starting to, and he's got a good one here by the name of Maserati. Yeah, Maserati, uh, you know, a little bit of a surprise for me how well this one looked uh, coming from off the pace after being bothered at the quarter pulse. But uh, Lucas's uh, daughter of Cantab Hall came from off the pace to win in 156 after winning in Pennsylvania All-Stars action at Pocono Downs the week before in 157-1. and won. So at the same time, Maserati is, uh, you know, obviously getting formful. Maserati is also getting tremendous experience since she's only had three starts in her, you know, brief career. Now, obviously, you have a lot of other horses in here who only have three or four starts in their career as well. But Maserati is doing things that the other ones aren't, coming from off the pace and looking good doing it. And Tim Tietjik has done an awfully nice job, uh, you know, with this horse, keeping this horse flat, keeping this horse, uh, you know, engaged. And the fact that Maserati showed good speed in her first lifetime start and since then has won twice from off the pace shows a versatility that sometimes you don't see this early on in horses' careers. Dave, the one-mile Sam McKee Memorial, a field of 11, and I say it's a one-mile event because every once in a while these 11- and 12-horse fields go a mile and an eighth, but they'll go one mile in the Sam McKee Memorial, and Danson Lou draws inside for trainer Tani Camilleri, and Danson Lou has been red hot as of late. Already has a mark of 47-2. and two. I think the field got a little lucky that our Major Dan is 8-E-2 in this field. Our Major Dan has been red hot as well. But Danson Liu uh, looks to strike here uh, for Brian Sears and Tommy Camilleri. Yeah, and the thing of it is, I wouldn't go crazy uh, betting the mortgage on Danson Liu because American history, as we saw just last week, one from off the pace for Joe Bongiorno and Tony Alanya defeating a, a, a very tough uh, top two of, uh, oh, uh, horses you may have heard of, Tall Dark Stranger and uh, Alleywag Hanover. So American history comes into the race in great, great form. We also have to contend with Hurricane Emperor. Well, he's only the fastest horse of the year in the sport by virtue of a 147 clocking in the graduate on, the, uh, on July the 11th. Backstreet Shadow, who was the early season, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, favorite in the division, Dorsodoro Hanover, who just got beat last week in 148 and a piece. And, oh, what about the preseason favorite for this division, Better's Wish, after winning $1.6 million last year? He's come back this year to mixed reviews. Last week was his week to get back into the winning column, picking up Lasix for uh, uh, trainer Chris Ryder. But he couldn't do that, uh, losing uh, to American history in the aforementioned 147 and one mile. We also have Western fame in there. Uh, this is the plan. I mean, this is a star-studded field. And, yes, imagine if our Major Dan A. was in there he might have been the favorite in the first place. So this is in a remarkably evenly matched field and a great way to go to leg two of the pick four. Now let me ask you real quick, Dave. Uh, we talk about wagering and handicapping angles. Better's Wish enters here second-time Lasix and seem to approve a little bit first-time Lasix. What do, you, what do you kind of make of that angle here? 
You know, uh, people really, uh, they have the uh, Lasix debate all the time. And, and the truth of the matter is, when it comes to Lasix, I definitely take a wait and see on that first start. And yes, Better's Wish did show some improvement. So can we assume that he raced with a lot more comfort, with a lot less pain, obviously with a lot less bleeding? Yeah, sure, of course we can. So can we assume that that uh, trend is going to continue and that he'll once again show a little more improvement this time around? I don't think that's any. Uh, I don't think there's any problem with that, especially when you consider that if better, at Better's Wish had started the year as we expected, this uh, the price in here would have been three to five. You might get three to one in Saturday's seventh race. Dave, let's move along to the uh, Peter Hout Memorial, the uh, final for the uh, two-year-old Colt and Gelding Trotters, and uh, the Rick Zeron Charge Plumville Prince will start from post position number one. And Dave, sometimes post position number one can be troublesome for young trotters. No question about that, Mike, because Plumville Prince uh, is going to have to display some early speed just to maintain rail position, as sometimes we hear Ken Markson put into his race calls. So you've got to protect that rail position by leaving. And then shortly thereafter, for an ideal trip, if you ask me, you've got to yield to two or three horses and then make your decisions. Now, Plumville Prince, I'm not knocking him. I love Rick Zaran. I love Scott Zaran. The horse is obviously fit and ready to go. But last week, Plumville Prince had three horses vacate the rail in front of him as he was sitting a five-hole trip to the five-eighths, and he was able to advance up the inside, grab the two-hole for the stretch drive, and then weave between rivals and split those rivals' legs to get the victory. I simply don't see Plumville Prince getting as fortunate a trip this time around. Now, is he good enough to beat these? Absolutely. But a horse like Venerit, who was the favorite in last and went a much tougher trip, can this Team Orange crush, two-year-old Colt by Love You, come back with a top effort and instead of 7-5 to five, as he was last week, come back today at maybe 3-1 to one or 7-2? to two? Absolutely. Locatelli is one who got bet down as the 2-1 to one favorite for Nancy Tactor in the New Jersey Sire Stakes Final on July the 24th from post 10 and went a giant mile, ending up second to South Tyrion, who we'll see later on this, uh, tomorrow night on the Friday card. So we certainly have a couple of ways that we can go here in the Peter Houghton Memorial. But if Plumville Prince is an even-money favorite, that to me would be a red flag that I would stay away from. Visiting with uh, Dave Little from the Meadowlands. Dave, let's uh, kind of move right along here and let's talk a little bit about a horse that I thought just looked dominating but now has to overcome post position number 12. I guess you never know. Post 12 could be friendly sometimes, depending on how you look at it. It does start from the second tier. But uh, Hypnotic AM has just been really, really, really good. And I'm going to tell you what, that last race really stuck out to me. It really did. And, you know, as we know, Brian Sears earlier this year won from post position 13 with much the best horse in Jim Panzee, who comes into Saturday uh, unbeaten and uh, number one in the Hamiltonian Top Ten Breeders' Crown Poll. More on him later. Hypnotic AM has post position 12. Now, here's a real challenge for a three-year-old filly making her fifth start of her sophomore campaign. Now, we know that she's rough. We know that she's uh, ready to go, and we know that she has enough experience. But what about post position 12? How is she going to get away? Are we assuming that she's going to leave right in behind next-level stuff who has good speed for Jim Campbell so that Sears can maybe work out a five- or a six-hole trip in the early going? Because if he does and he picks up some live cover, that's going to put Hypnotic AM into the winning trip. 
So that first turn is going to mean so much in terms of how this race is going to turn out. And if I'm going to have to get three to five or four to five on a horse from the second tier in a three-year-old trotting Philly race where everybody's going to be gunning because they're going for 600,000, I tell you what, in this instance, I might be looking elsewhere and looking for a little bit of an upset. Dave, the Phillies take on the boys in the $1 million Hamiltonian, and uh, we talked a little bit about Ramona Hill earlier. Sister Sledge gets a uh, decent spot here as well. Uh, obviously, draws post number nine, so the post draw isn't the you know isn't the greatest in the world, but gets Brian Sears in the sulky, who knows how to navigate a uh, Hamiltonian winner or two. Yeah, well, obviously, as we know, uh, there are drivers who have won the Hamiltonian and the Hamiltonian Oaks in the same day. Uh, George Brennan is one of them. And then there are drivers who have done that twice, and that's Brian Sears. And Brian and Sister Sledge, we know pretty much what Brian is going to have in mind with this daughter of Father Patrick. He's going to be showing speed from post position nine, as will number four, Big Oil. So they're going to be in good spots, I think, when we get to the 3-8 mile marker. Then it's a matter of the chess match with Jingra and uh, Zeron, because ready for money and back of the neck, they both have shown that they uh, can do good work from both off the pace and close to the pace. But why are you going to be coming from well off the pace in this race when you're going for a million dollars? Ramona Hill? Now, that's the X factor here. This horse is going to be right around four to five, I think, and it's going to be searching for some live cover. So Andy McCarthy, I think he's going to want to get away fourth or fifth and hopefully work out a live cover trip. If Andy works out a second over trip, I think it's good night, Irene, and the race is over. Third over might be too far from the kitchen. Does that allow a horse like Sister Sledge, who, if she has enough trot to make two moves to the front, if she leads the three quarters, can can a final quarter of 28 seconds flat get her the lion's share of the billion-dollar purse? Maybe, just maybe, it can. Let's backtrack a little bit, Dave, to the uh, John Cash mem- uh, Memorial because we have got another fantastic matchup when you talk about uh, boys versus the girls. Atlanta against Jim Panzee. Now, we both know that Jim Panzee has just been untouchable so far here in 2020, while Atlanta has been going tooth and nail with Manchego in uh, what has uh, really been a, a, a rivalry uh, and is going to continue um, throughout 2020. But now here you go with chimpanzee and Atlanta. Do they touch chimpanzee in the cashman? Uh, well, I tell you what, you know, chimpanzee in Atlanta, it, it's some kind of a, it's some kind of a matchup. You know, one of my favorite movies the last couple of years is Battle of the Sexes, which pit Bobby Riggs against uh, Billie Jean King. But in this case, it's not, it's not like chimpanzee is 20 years older than Atlanta. Chimpanzee is a strapling four-year-old by Chapter Seven, and Atlanta is a sleek five-year-old bear by Chapter Seven as well. What a matchup this is! But you got to ask yourself this question: Atlanta's been facing Manchego most of the year. Whereas chimpanzee has been facing the forbidden trades and the reign of honors of the world. Now, those are very solid racehorses, but are either one of them as good as Atlanta or Manchego? I think the, uh, the short answer to that is no. Now, chimpanzee has done everything asked of him, and his 13-hole win was simply remarkable. Sears did such a great job. All he had to do in that race was keep this horse out of trouble. And for all the chalk players out there, all the wise guys who were taking 20 and 30 cents on the dollar on Jim Benzie prior to get 70 cents must have been a great overlay. And, oh, by the way, 
Forbidden Trade was clearly second best in that race. So it was the old 13-1 ice cold exacta. So, yeah, Atlanta versus Jim Penzi. Which way am I going to go? I'm not 100% certain right now, but I'll tell you right. But I'll tell you what I do think. Atlanta has been swimming in the deeper end of the pool thus far this year. Does that mean that she can best chimpanzee, or can chimpanzee rise to the occasion? I'm not really sure right at this second where I'm going to go, but I do know that Atlanta is probably going to be closer to the action than chimpanzee will. We'll talk a little bit about the keen pace and tall, dark stranger. Not only a rare defeat, a rare off-the-board performance uh, last out for trainer Nancy Tector and driver Yannick Chingra. Put in a monster 147-2 effort this year as the Meadowlands Pace champion. Does Tall Dark Stranger get beat again here tonight? Well, here's the rub. Tall Dark Stranger looked invincible in his Meadowlands Pace victory after Poppy Rob Hanover, and such a sad story there, but after Poppy Rob Hanover had a half length, three quarters of a length up in the stretch, and Tall Dark Stranger battled back to win a 26-3 and three final quarter to win the Meadowlands Pace in 47-2. and two. Then last week comes. I handicapped the race. I went over it 100 times, and I came to the conclusion that while I thought it was, uh, you know, cool to try and beat Tall Dark Stranger with Alleywack Hanover, that Tall Dark Stranger was in the absolute perfect spot. However, Tall Dark Stranger goes a second over trip and doesn't fire. We find out from Nancy Tacta that Tall Dark Stranger bled after the race, and now... For the cane pace for 273000 and change, Tall Dark Stranger will add Lasix. Is that automatically going to put Tall Dark Stranger back to where he was on the night of the Meadowlands pace? I tend to doubt it. However, there are only a couple of horses in here who I think uh, can uh, reside in Tall Dark Stranger's area code. The Captain Kirks, the Captain Midnight, and Chief Mate, who was simply superb in rallying from way, way back to miss ahead to catch the fire in the Adios last Saturday. But really, overall, in this eight-horse field, Tall Dark Stranger is going to be overbet. And while I'm certainly going to use him in my pick four, because you'd be foolish not to, I'm certainly going to put a couple of other numbers on my ticket and try to beat him as this will start the final pick four of the meeting. All right, and one more to ask you about, Dave, before we let you go. It is the Lady Liberty uh, for that purse of $177,000, race 15 on the 16-race program. And, of course, Sharkin uh, has been the queen of this division. Uh, she was upset last time by major occasion. But I will say one thing, and I think the wild card in this race is where we you butte, because I'll tell you what, that effort at Harris Philly in her last start was actually effortless. And I think we got to clue right there uh, of what Warrior Butte is still capable of. Yeah, and Warrior Butte, uh, I, realize, uh, I realize that you have called the race and you're my guy for the Harris Philly lines, but it certainly looks impressive on paper for this horse to reach three quarters in 22-1 and one and come home in 27-1, and one, defeating Soho Burning Love A, another Jim King Jr. trainee who was 1-5 to five in that very race. Can mm-hmm. Warrior Butte make the lead and leave Sharton and first up would Yannick Jingra opt to do that? I think that's the problem here. I think that Yannick might leave with the eight water for you, Pute, and then take a tuck behind Sharton, who's going to have to work really hard in probably a 54 or a 54 and one half to make the top. So does that help a horse like Major Occasion, who can work out a similar close to the action trip as she did in the Dottie Houghton to win in 148 and one? I don't think so. I think Major Occasion obviously got a little bit lucky in that race. Her other races. Uh, certainly the one immediately before and after where she finished sixth 
tell us that she's probably a notch or two below the very good ones in here. So, Warwick Butte for upset players, sure, I would take a little bit of a shot. But once Shorten N makes the top, and I think that Tim Tejic will make the top at any cost over a lightning-fast trip on a day where the temperature figures to be in the mid-80s, he's going to want to make the lead and be sure and secure the top by 5 eighths. And once he does, I think he's going to prove tough to catch. But again, Soho Burning Love is pretty good. Major occasion, obviously, you pulled the upset. And the aforementioned Warwick Butte. I would take Chardonnay at a short price in this field. But, yeah, Warwick Butte, that was some mile down at Harris Philly. And uh, for Ron Burke fans, this might be the way to go. All right, Dave, uh, real quick before we let you go, uh, let's uh, talk just a little bit about the wagering program, uh, the wagering uh, menu itself, obviously, as it is every Hamiltonian day and pretty much every day at the Meadowlands. It's kind of got something for everyone. But uh, that super high five, it's at 110 k and Dave, it's got to go. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a mandatory payout, uh, Mike. And what happens when you have these mandatory payouts? People come from out of the woodwork to get involved. And, uh, you know, I always uh, send out a release every Thursday that runs at the uh, USTA.com, USTrotting.com, I should say. And the long and the short of it is our, um, our Jackpot Super 5, which is a 20-cent base bet, there's going to be at least 200000 in new money bet into the uh, high five maybe as much as 300000 But the interesting thing about these bets is when you have a carryover of 110000 as we do, in the event there's 190000 in new money bet into the pool, and that's a low-end guess, that would create a total payout of $271,000. That means a staggering 42% edge for the better. So let me be clear mm-hmm. about this. On any given night, when you bet on, a, uh, you know, on an exacta and they take a 20% rake, you're betting into a pool where you're getting back 80 cents in the dollar. In this pool, if that amount of money is bet, you're getting back 140 cents in the dollar. So clearly, mm-hmm. for bettors who have been chasing this money in the super high five, this is something they want to get involved in. Race 14, the Sam McKee Memorial Consolation, field of 11, that is something that you want to get involved with. Uh, in addition, of course, to all of our pick fours during the course of the day, and we'll have an additional pick five as well. Yeah, it's just a fun, fun wagering menu, a fun, fun day. Certainly not going to want to miss it wherever in the country you are, Hamiltonian 2020. Dave, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. You broke it down very, very well, and uh, hopefully uh, the way, the uh, the punters are armed with uh, everything they need to uh, make a successful trip come Saturday. Yeah, we're going to have betting uh, in excess of $6 million. Uh, hopefully we make it to $6.5 million on Saturday. And everybody, uh, you know, Mike and Mike, don't forget, uh, CBS Sports Network will have a one-hour tape-delayed uh, presentation of the Hamiltonian. Uh, yours truly, Dave Brower, um, Gary Seibel, Jessica Otten, Gabe Pruitt, Ashley Bayou, the whole crew will be on hand. CBS Sports Network. Saturday at 6 p.m. So after the races, you can go home and get something to eat and uh, watch the show again and experience all the thrills of the Hamiltonian. All right. Sounds like fun. Dave, we'll see you Saturday, my friend. Looking forward to it, Mike. And Mike, be well. Take care, fellas. All right. That was Dave Little. And uh, I'll tell you what, we got a good, good breakdown of all the action coming up on Saturday. But uh, this man has been waiting patiently uh, on hold uh, for a couple of minutes now. So let's bring him in and, uh, uh, Mike, were you, were you still daydreaming about last Saturday when when you took down the Adios? I I want to say I know we had you on this program about seven or eight months ago, and I want to say that we asked you about 
what race would you want to win? And I want to say that you said the Adios. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, our home track. It's, it's our biggest race we have, and, uh, you know, my dreams came true. It's, uh, it's quite a thrill, and, uh, you know, it really hasn't sunk in yet. I'm still enjoying the moment, and uh, you kind of never want that feeling to end. Yeah, and and now it's been a little bit, and you've had a chance to reflect on it. But let's let's actually talk about uh, some of your feelings during the race. At what point uh, during the mile did you say to yourself, "You know, I really got a shot to win this thing"? Well, I was very confident in my horse going into the race, and uh, I thought when I moved him to the lead at the quarter, I kind of thought that made my race. I was very confident confident at that point that I could maybe get the job done simply because I didn't want to be first up into the two Burke horses and uh, my horse felt very strong at the half 54 and one even though I got a a no losing Colt took a hard run of me at the three quarters Um, when I moved him at the quarter I thought if if I'm ever going to win it it's going to be today so uh, it just it just played right into my hand it worked perfectly when you cross the wire give us your first thoughts I couldn't believe it it was just amazing because it's the biggest race I've ever won. I've raced in it before, but not going in as a favorite. Um, a lot of emotion. The emotions were running high because, you know, I, I looked to my left and right when I hit the wire, and, and I said to myself, I can't believe I just won the Adios. And uh, it was the greatest feeling I've ever had in this sport uh, in my whole career. All the drives and all the wins I've ever raced. And uh, it was just hard to believe, you know, it was just, it was amazing. Visiting with driver Mike Wilder, of course, he won the Adios with uh, Catch the Fire. And, uh, of course, the Winter Circle presentation. And I think everybody in harness racing is, is pretty familiar with all the work that, that you guys do and Heather does and, and uh, your daughters do for the sport of harness racing and your guys' love and passion for it. When you first got back to the Winter Circle, what's, what's, what's the first thing that uh, – that Heather said to you or you said to Heather and uh, and uh, maybe an exchange between you and your daughters? Well, she was telling me to calm down because I was pretty emotional. You know? <laughs> and, uh, she told me I had to pull it together, and uh, which I did. And yeah. uh, But it was uh, – I took him the long way around. I couldn't believe all the people that were cheering for me, and I knew where my wife was. I knew she was in the bottom turn. And I took him down there, and she actually walked all the way to the winter circle from there with me. And my daughters were in the, in the on the casino side, and they came out. And my mother was here as well, up from Florida. So it was um, it was quite a reunion in the winter circle for me. And uh, as you were saying earlier, you know what a what a backing I have with my family. You know the things they do in our sport, um, on the scene, behind the scenes, a whole bit. So uh, you know it's, it's just a great uh, package for me. Mike, and of course, I think what makes it makes it all the more special is that you were able to do it at the track that you call home. What does that mean to you? It means everything. I mean, uh, not everybody, you know, not only everybody that drives here all winter and all season long, and then uh, the drivers that come in. You know, it's one of those. I mean, to me, it's one of those elite races you want to win, and uh, you know, kind of the icing on the cake, man. It was just, hey, I want, I want our biggest race we put on. We do it once a year, and and uh, I can kind of, I can just kind of put that on my bucket list that I got done. You know, it was just, uh, it's quite a thrill. 
You'd love to have that feeling again in your life, but there'll never be a feeling like that again in that race for me. Even though I'd like to win it ten times over, it's uh, that first time was amazing. Visiting the driver, Mike Wilder. Mike, kind of give us a roadmap of uh, what's ahead for Catch the Fire. Actually, that's, uh, I talked to trainer John Ackley today. He uh, he reached out to me, and he uh, said he'd come out of the race terrific, and he goes to uh, Northfield Park on the 15th. That's next Saturday for the Millstein. And um, then after that, if he comes out of that, good. And seems okay. I think their plans were to take him to the messenger at Yonkers. As far as that goes, that's as far as I know right now. We kind of like to take it one race at a time, but uh, that might. The next stop will be the Millstein, and the next one after that could be the messenger. All right. Well, listen, Mike. We certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. One final question before we let you go. Obviously, the win was very special for you and your family, but it was also uh, pretty special for. Uh, a trainer that a lot of not a lot of harness fans know a whole lot about, and that's John Ackley. Tell us about uh, how special that was to John. Well, I know it was very special for him, and and uh, it was actually very special for me to be involved in that win with him, simply because I can remember racing horses at the county fairs when I was 18 for John Ackley, and uh, you know I made the statement to him that who would have thought, John, 30 years. 30 years later, we would be winning an Adios. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a, it was an Ohio Connection win, and there was nothing better than to win it for all the connections, all the Ohio guys. I'm an Ohio native, and uh, even though it was in PA and it is my home track, it was just, I was so happy for John. And uh, John don't show much emotion, but he was so happy, and uh, I was that much happier for him. All right. Well, Mike, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. And uh, I'll tell you what, that's why harness racing is something special. Uh, and it's good to see good people do well. And, and uh, Mike, you're certainly one of the best in the business, my friend. Hey, I appreciate that. And you guys, I really appreciate you having me on the show. And uh, you guys take care. All right. That was driver Mike Wilder. And, uh, yeah, what a special moment to be able to do it. On your home turf, I think, uh, is just uh, very, very special. And you heard him say it. You know, he could go on to win that race ten times over, but that first win, definitely something special. We're going to wrap this thing up after this very short timeout. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USTA. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging MOA, charging hard at Special thanks to all of our guests joining us uh, here today. Of course, drivers Andy McCarthy, Mike Wilder, Dave Little. A big, big program coming up on Saturday at the Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment. It's the Hamiltonian, and certainly not going to want to miss it. We'll see you next Thursday, first post, 10.30 a.m. on first time with Mike and Mike. Good night, everybody. Closing time. Turn all of the lights.